What's going on, everybody? This is Adrian Lawson, and this is episode 11 of the Lawson Podcast. And this episode's going to be pretty chill. I'm just going to be going through some news. Uh, I got a lot of crazy news that I'm looking at right now and some good news, so we'll be going over all that. But before we get into all that, uh, how's everybody doing? Good? Everybody's good? Everybody's healthy? Everybody's safe? I'm doing pretty good. I... um I'm almost done with my summer semester classes. Excited for that. I have a final exam today, which is uh which is why I probably shouldn't be doing a podcast right now, but what are you going to do? Other than that, everything's pretty cool. There's a spider in my bathroom. I'm not a big fan of that. I wish I wish we could have like an agreement with spiders where look, man, if I don't ever see you and you eat all the bugs, I'm totally cool with that love you like I'll even I'll bring you dead bugs that I that I kill but I just don't ever want to see you that's the only thing I don't know if they would agree to that but that'd be really nice because I don't like I don't hate spiders I think they do I'm a a big fan of their work I think they do great things uh, but they look scary as hell and I gotta kill it I'm sorry but I'll deal with that when I find the damn spider that's in the bathroom. Other than that, before we get into everything, uh, email me at lostincast at gmail.com. There you can send me your concerns, questions, counterarguments. And you can also tell me if you're interested in doing an episode with me um, and someone else. And uh, basically, you and the other person are going to be on opposite sides of an argument. Preferably, you already hold this belief. Not, I don't want you to pretend to be on one side of the argument. I want you to be somebody who, for example, let's say you're pro-choice. I would want you to come on with someone who is pro-life. And all you have to do is accurately represent the other person's uh, argument. And just tell me why, they're, why they believe what they believe about abortion. Or it doesn't have to be abortion. It could be any other issue, but that's just an example. And uh, the whole goal of the episode is not to argue or see who has the better argument. It's just to have both sides represent the other side's argument in such a way that the person on the other side agrees with that argument, if that makes sense. So if you can demonstrate an understanding of the other side's argument, then uh, that's really the only goal of the episode. I don't even want anybody to argue, really, because I feel like you can find that on any other platform or show so that's not that interesting to me but yeah if you're interested in that I have one person interested right now and I just need uh, I think I'm I don't want to assume but I'm guessing he's a little right-leaning so if if there's somebody listening to this who's on the left more um, even if you're on the left on a couple issues like abortion or um, I don't know just whatever just email me and let me know if you're on the left on some issues that you think most people on the right would disagree with. And we can figure something out. I think that'd be a really interesting episode. And I would like to have that be a regular thing, but I need enough people to agree to do it each time. And I would like to do it with different people each time because I think it's more 
interesting that way and it um involves a lot more perspective a lot more perspectives that um uh, I think would be a lot more interesting than having the same two people do it over and over again. So if you're interested in that, email me at lawsoncast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Parlor at Lawson Podcast. And let's just jump into the news here. So I'm looking at um Epoch Times, the Epoch Times, E P O C H Times. And uh this is actually a news outlet that I was unfamiliar with, but I just became very familiar with them. And I really like their their news website. They seem very objective, actually. They're not reporting their opinions in anything, which a lot of other uh, like left-leaning sites do it, but also the typical right-leaning sites do it as well, which is still, it still bothers me on either side. I would rather have at least, you know, one website that tells us the facts, doesn't give their opinion. Even if I agree with their opinion, I don't necessarily care to hear it while I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened in the news. So the Epoch Times is a good source for that. They give all the facts, and while I get the feeling they're a little more right-leaning, it doesn't come out in their articles. Um, the only reason I say they, that I feel they're a little right-leaning is because they talk a lot about communism. They're very anti-communism. They are not objective on that, which... I mean, it's like saying you're, if you were to say that you should be objective on communism, it's like saying you should be objective on on genocide or something, because communism usually does result in genocide or um, at least mass killings of people indiscriminately or mass starvation. So anyways, other than that, they're very objective. And uh, I highly recommend if you're interested in an objective news source like that, that you go check them out. But anyways, the first story that I want to talk about here from their website is a story headlined, All 50 U.S. States Warn About Unsolicited Seed Packages That Appear to Be From China. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but this is kind of terrifying to me. (laughs) If I had some unsolicited seeds show up, I think the fact that they're, uh, they're, like maybe if it was just an object, like a toy or a, even a a pen or something, that wouldn't be that scary. But the fact that they're seeds and it's something that you could plant, grow, and eat or something like that, they kind of look like pumpkin seeds from the picture I'm seeing here. That kind of scares me. Um, so to get into a little bit of the story, let me see. The U.S. Department of Agri- Agriculture announced on Tuesday that its Animal and Plant Health Inspection Services Agency is working with the Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, other federal agencies, and state departments of agriculture to investigate the situation. So they're looking at the uh, the USDA is looking at the seeds, trying to figure out what the hell they are, and they're also advising people do not plant them, do not even throw them in the trash, deliver them to your local agriculture department, which I didn't know that was a thing locally. But their concern is that these seeds might be something that uh, maybe like a, a very invasive weed or something, some plant of that sort that would disrupt the U.S. agriculture system and lead to food shortages, which would be not good. They also say don't plant them and whatever they grow, don't eat it because we don't know what the hell it is and we don't know if it has something in it that would affect people in a bad way <laughs> if consumed. Um, but they're also saying... 
a lot of a lot of people are also saying that it's likely not anything insidious. It's likely just a uh, what do they call it? I want to get the right term here. Let me find it. Uh, yep. Enjoy some dead air for a minute. A brushing scam. They're calling it a brushing scam, which says, uh, uh, it says here, the scam involves people sending unsolicited items to a given U.S. address to qualify as a, quote, verified buyer, after which they pose a customer with the same address to post positive but false product reviews to boost sales. So basically, if you send something to this address, um, then they can claim your address is uh, has a verified buyer in it. And then somebody can pose as coming from your address and post positive reviews on a Chinese website so that people trust it more and say, well, someone in America who is a verified purchaser from this website uh, posted positive reviews, so it's probably trustworthy. But even if it is just that, it's not good. And I think in general, uh, I have a feeling that pretty soon we might have to stop receiving mail from China. I don't know if that's something that the president is thinking about or that the Department of Homeland Security is thinking about. But I feel like that is in the works because there were, I don't know if if, if you guys saw it, but there was a lot of reports in uh, the beginning of all this COVID stuff saying that some masks that came from China and some just other stuff that came from China had COVID on it. And perhaps um, what I'm worried about is that they're using these seeds as a way to see what they can kind of get away with in the mail system, see what, like, maybe they had a list of addresses and they saw how many got to those addresses so that if they wanted to, they could just mass mail American citizens something with a biological weapon on it, perhaps, biological, uh, like a disease or something, and they could have some biological warfare that way and kill a lot of U.S. citizens. Kind of like has already happened with the coronavirus. But anyways, that's my concern with that. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, moving on to Hong Kong protests. Um, another thing you should know about the Epoch Times is that they focus a lot on China. Um, it was founded by people who were persecuted by the Chinese government, I believe, because they're part of a minority religious group, which is... Uh, I think it's like a, it's called Falun, F-A-L-U-N, uh, something. Let me look it up here. Falun Gong. And I honestly, I don't know the details of it, so I don't want to say if it's good or bad. Um, but apparently it's a version or a faction of Buddhism. And, um... They were persecuted in China. They left, I believe, or they were kicked out or something. And they started this newspaper. And uh, I think primarily it was to talk about Chinese democracy movements, but it's expanded to all around the world. So anyways, they talk a lot about China. So here's another story titled, Four Hong Kong Students Arrested in First Action by New National Security Force. And the reason I wanted to talk about this story is because people are talking about America as if it's some fascist state as if Trump is sending in federal troops to black bag um, political dissenters just for just for dissenting, basically, to suppress uh, 
speech that he doesn't agree with. And that's obviously stupid. The federal agents that were sent to Portland are only staying on federal property and only leaving federal property when they want to arrest somebody who they know has damaged federal property, which kind of is their job, right? Especially if the local police aren't protecting federal property. I mean, if, look, I don't live in Portland, but if that federal building is damaged, which it already has been, and it needs to be repaired by the federal government, guess who's paying for that Portland building? You are, and I am, and uh, everybody around the nation is helping pay for that Portland federal building. And I think that's uh, pretty dumb because it's not something that's in my area and it's not something that needed to be destroyed anyways. It could have been protected by local police. So the fact that everybody around the country is going to be paying for a federal building that is not only not in their area but could have been protected pretty easily, I think, uh, it's, uh, I think it's a good thing to prevent that waste of taxpayer money. And it's also the job of federal agents to protect federal property. I think that's very straightforward. <laughs> so anyways, it's not that the federal agents are are just patrolling the streets of Portland or anything like that. However, if we look to China, we see an example of real political oppression, real oppression of of political speech that they don't agree with. So... The article says a former student leader who advocated for Hong Kong independence was one of several activists arrested by Hong Kong police on secession charges on July 29th. Police arrested 19-year-old Tony Chung at his home in the Yuen Long district and seized several bags of Chung's belongings, the group Student Localism announced on its official Facebook page. Um, He's currently in custody. On July 29th, police confirmed they had arrested four students, three males and one female, between the ages of 16 and 21, connected to a newly established group that advocated on social media for Hong Kong's independence. So these people are legitimately being arrested because they want Hong Kong to be an independent country separate from China. So they're literally being arrested for their opinions, for their speech, for their political dissent. However, Americans in in Portland, for example, are being arrested for bombing, uh, setting on fire the federal building, or attacking police officers with lasers, potentially permanently blinding three of them. These are not, these are not arrests made on charges of political dissent or anything like that. But in China, we're seeing examples of of this and. It's interesting to see how people think America is such a fascist state, Trump is such a fascist. However, they're able to go online and say this, these things and face no legal consequences, which if you're living in a fascist state and you go online and call it a fascist state, I would think something would happen to you legally uh, or you'd be black bagged in the middle of the night or something like that would happen. It wouldn't be the case that you get to go online, go on Facebook or Twitter and and basically trash Trump all day long as a fascist, and then just nothing happens. (laughs) I would highly encourage people who think that this is a fascist state to go to China and say China is a fascist state and see how long you're just allowed to do that. At the very least, your post is going to be taken down by the Chinese government 
probably with the help of uh, an American tech company, <laughs> ironically. But um, that is not the case here in America. In fact, Chelsea Handler held up a a replica of Donald Trump's decapitated head and took a picture and posted it online. She faced a lot of social blowback because what the hell are you doing? But no legal, no legal repercussions at all. Nothing happened to her. She wasn't arrested or anything for potentially inciting violence or anything like that. Madonna, um, I believe in front of the White House, gave a speech saying that she has thought an awful lot about bombing the White House. Uh, Johnny Depp asked, when was the last time an actor assassinated a president? Um, what else? What else? Who else? There's a bunch. There's a bunch. But just the fact that this kind of talk is so prevalent, people talking about how Trump should be assassinated, the White House should be bombed. Uh, I mean, you're talking about attacking the leader of the free world, as they're called. You're talking about attacking the president of the United States, and nothing happens to you. <laughs> and even in that case, that should be illegal by our standards because we talk, uh, we don't allow people to incite violence. But even that is tolerated and is just kind of given the same respect as any other political speech for some reason anyways. So the fact that you can go and say that, you can say uh, in front of an in front of a huge crowd and on television that you would like the president to die or be killed or be bombed or be decapitated and nothing happens to you, that kind of tells you you're not living in a fascist country and the country's not being led by a fascist because something would damn well have happened to you if if that were the case. So anyways, that's the only reason I bring up this Hong Kong story. I do wish Hong Kong all the, all the luck. And uh, I think I've said before uh, on social media that they are cut from the same cloth as our founding fathers because they, they are living under a repressive government and they know that every human deserves the right to freely speak, to freely live. And that's what our founders fought for. And that's what these people are fighting for now. And I wish them the best. And I think America should accept as many people from Hong Kong as possible. And, um, I mean, I would love to see some of these people in Congress, honestly. <laughs> I think that would be great. Next story, crazy story, more talk about fascism. This story, again from the Epoch Times, is headlined, Trump suggests delay of 2020 election over mail-in voting. Now, this is something that I think is stupid. I think it's kind of concerning, honestly, that he's calling for this. But he's also not wrong to worry about mail-in voting. The fact is there is a lot of concerns when it comes to mail-in voting. I believe it was... Uh, he also tweeted a video recently. Maybe I can find it real quick. He tweeted a video of a... I think it was like CBS New York doing a study on um, mail-in voting... So they kind of voted, uh, they mailed mock ballots to themselves, basically. 
and it was very difficult to retrieve them because they were all it was too many to fit in their p.o box obviously so they went to try to retrieve them from the place where the p.o box was held and the person there said like we don't have anything from you anything for you and it took a while to be able to get them from them it was it turned out it was held in a different spot that they that the person working at the p.o box place couldn't find or something at first and then even after that it turned out three percent of their ballots were missing which three percent can make a lot of difference in an election so i'll play a little bit of it if you want to listen in on it real quick Approximate the weight, we even folded mock votes into every one. In the following week, we checked our P.O. box for the results. Mail pickup notice, there's more. When we went to collect everything, though, <laughs> most of our votes seem to be lost. That's all I have back there right now. But that's You're sure? You're totally sure? I believe you. I just... We had to ask for a manager and explain ourselves before someone finally found our votes. We soon discovered another problem, missorted mail, two pieces of it. We got a birthday card from Mike to Ronnie. Have a sweet B-Day. Get it? There's a B on top. When the birthday greetings ended, 12, 13, we found a bigger issue. 21% of our votes hadn't materialized after four days. And the batch we'd mailed a week prior, some of those were missing too. So of our 100 ballots, 97 arrived, which sounds pretty good, unless you consider the fact that that means three people who tried to vote by mail in our mock election were in fact disenfranchised by mail. In a close election, 3% could be pivotal, especially in what's expected to be a record year for mail-in voting. We're going to see somewhere between probably 80 and 100 million voters um, receiving their ballot that way. The Postal Service says voters should mail their return ballots at least one week prior to the due date. But nearly half of all states still allow voters to request ballots less than a week before the election. So you can forgive the public for being a tad confused. How long do you think the post office recommends? About three days, two to three days. They're saying at least a week. A week? They're saying at least a week for your vote. I just don't trust the mail. That's true. You don't trust the mail either? Well, I just don't. I would like to give, especially during COVID, give them ample time to deliver it. I don't trust it. Why not? I don't know. I'm scared that it might get lost in the mail. I just want to make sure that my vote is submitted. Like, I see that it's submitted, that it actually counts. So yeah, I thought that was very interesting and very concerning, especially considering how prevalent mail-in voting is going to be this election. But it might, you know, by Trump calling attention to this, it might lead to Republicans who are voting for him and who are concerned about this election being decided based on flawed methods like that. Um, they're probably going to be handing in their ballots a lot more often to local voting stations, which means the Democrats who are who think this is some conspiracy theory, crazy people believe this, they're going to be mailing in their ballots because they trust the the mail in ballot system. Which means the the votes that are going to be lost in a lot of cases are going to be Democrat votes.
whereas uh, more Republicans are probably going to hand in their ballots and not be lost. Now, maybe that's just some conjecture that is not based in any reality and is not going to is not going to play out in reality. But that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Republicans are a lot more concerned about their ballots being lost than Democrats are. So Republicans are going to more likely ensure that their ballots are handed in and counted. I know for me, I'm going to hand in my ballot and I'm going to be checking online probably every day because you can check the status of your ballot. Uh, I don't know if that's true of all states, but I know at least in California, you can check the status of your ballot. Um, it probably is true in all states. but So I know I'm going to be very diligent in making sure my vote is counted, and a lot of Republicans probably are, whereas Democrats are going to say, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. I'm just going to mail in my ballot, and I know it's going to get counted. And uh, that might lead to some uh, election concerns in the other direction. You know, then the, then it might be Democrats saying, wait, all these ballots got lost. Um, and that's why Trump won. And then I'm sure if Trump does win, there's going to be another impeachment investigation and stuff like that. But whatever. So I'm trying to find Trump's tweet on the on the mail-in voting thing. Um, let me see. Here's a tweet that says mail-in voting already proving to be a catastrophic disaster. Even testing areas are way off. The Dems talk of foreign influence in voting, but they know that mail-in voting is an easy way for foreign countries to enter the race. Even beyond that, there's no accurate count. I don't know what he's talking about with accurate count. But I'm not seeing his, his tweet here about delaying the election. Maybe I'm just not looking close enough. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's his pinned tweet. That's why. <laughs> uh, quote, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So yeah, he's definitely hinting on hinting at delaying the election. However, the article from Epoch Times notes that for Trump to successfully delay the election, he, he can't just pass it unilaterally, which is another sign you're not living in a fascist state. He has to go through Congress. I think the House and the Senate have to pass uh, a new law that that the election is going to be delayed because the election date is set in law. So if you want to change it, you have to make a new law, basically, that changes the election date. You can't just temporarily delay the election for one year, uh, for one election only. You have to change the election date for every election, which is going to be very hard to do, uh, considering you have, you know, you have to pass it through both chambers of Congress, which means the house, which is, has a huge Democrat majority. And then the Senate, which has a slim Republican majority, but even I feel a lot of Republicans would be counter to this action by Trump. I don't think, uh, first of all, it's unpopular. You're going to have a lot of Republicans fearing that their constituents won't have faith in their, in their you know, values around democracy. And, um, you know, I feel like even for Republicans, this is not a popular thing. Delaying an election is not something we want presidents to feel they have the right to do. So, you know, it's something that I would be against for sure. Not only because, uh, well, first of all, 
I don't think it would help Trump. <laughs> I think if if there were voter fraud concerns and Trump delays the election, he's going to lose the election because now people see him as a uh, a totalitarian who's changing election days because he's worried that the election isn't going to go his way. So I think even if he does successfully change the election date, he's going to lose the election because everyone's going to think he's a fascist and um, they're going to vote against him. Now, perhaps he would rather lose the election that way fairly than have voter fraud be the reason he loses. And I totally understand that. But that's one reason why I'm against it. First of all, he's going to lose for sure if he does it. Second of all, it does it does concern me that uh, if he does it successfully, it would concern me that a president could easily change the election date. Because even if we agree in this instance with why he's doing it, there could be future instances where it is clearly by our, in our eyes anyways, it is clearly something that a president's using to help their chances of winning re-election. Maybe they don't like the polls leading up to the election, so they delay it and, um, you know, wait until their polls look better before allowing an election to take place. Uh, so that would be concerning. So yes, I'm against this whole delaying an election thing. It's kind of ridiculous and uh, scary. But I still think states need to make sure that their votes are being counted accurately. They need to really, really like focus on their ballot security in this election especially. Because... Like I said, and like that uh, news segment just said, voting by mail is concerning. Moving on to the next article here. Again, from the Epoch Times, the headline is, TikTok's potential to influence U.S. election draws senators' scrutiny. So yes, people are worried about TikTok influencing the election too. Um. I'm not going to read too many quotes from the specific article, but there are concerns that, um, you know, on TikTok, there has been some censorship of anti-Chinese content because TikTok is owned by a um, Chinese company who I believe has concerning ties to the Chinese government, which every company in China does. But um, anyways, they're saying that TikTok has censored some content and they fear that there could be more manipulation of content leading up to the election that biases one political candidate over the other. Perhaps China would suppress Trump, uh, Trump content, pro-Trump content, and they would maybe promote pro-Biden content because they know, uh, you know, they're not having a lot of luck negotiating with Trump right now especially right now, um, U.S.-China ties, uh, U.S.-China relationship is very strained. So they might want to bring someone in who's a little nicer to them, who's not as confrontational and who's not going to hold them to their word as much, which would be Biden, pretty clearly. If you look at even uh, Obama's policies, very, you know, Obama had a, lo a lot of talk he, you know, the red line in the sand with regard to Syria. Uh, was it Syria or Libya? Pretty sure it was Syria, yeah, about using chemical weapons in Syria. 
And then they used chemical weapons and uh, we didn't do anything. However, Trump, when there was concerns about Syria, he bombed a bunch of Syrian aircraft, uh, I believe even killing some Russian soldiers. So, uh, unintentionally, of course. Uh, I don't remember if that's true, but I believe some Russian sol- soldiers were at least in danger. Russia was not alerted, even though we knew they had soldiers on their on that base. So, um, you know, and then you also think about the killing of Soleimani, um, Trump's increased tariffs on Chinese goods. You know, Trump is not somebody who's going to just say something to scare you, but then never follow through with it. He's always going to follow through, it seems which is a good thing. We should like that in our president. But um, China obviously does not like that, so they would have a lot of reason to suppress pro-Trump speech on TikTok and to promote pro-Biden speech on TikTok, which is concerning. It could sway some votes. If you're a, if you're just a neutral person, don't lean left, don't lean right, and you go on TikTok and you see all these good things about Biden and you see all these bad things about Trump and you're not seeing any good things about Trump, it's going to be a lot more likely that you're going to be led to vote for Biden. Um, I forgot where I read it, which bothers me, but there was something about how Google can potentially sway votes. Uh, they could potentially sway, I think, from like 2 million to 9 million votes or something like that based on their search algorithms and what pops up after you search specific keywords a lot of times there will be pro-trump content that is you know you got to go to like the third page to find it but there will be anti-trump or pro-biden content that's on the first page so um it is it is possible that you can sway a large amount of votes based on what kind of speech you promote and what kind of speech you suppress on um social media or search engines but that's really all i had to say about that i think if trump bans tiktok i think uh a lot of people are going to vote for him just for that because a lot of people hate tiktok (laughs) i know that would definitely solidify my vote if trump bans tiktok i can't stand tiktok i was on there for a little bit and before i found out about all the concerning chinese stuff but um yeah a lot of trash and a lot of people just being, you know, very fake and, and want to be actors and stuff like that. Not very inter- entertaining content. Anyways, TikTok aside, we have some good news. This is again from the Epoch Times. And the headline is, Moderna COVID-19 vaccine rapidly clears virus in lungs, noses of monkeys, according to study. So I'm going to read some of this. I think this is very exciting to hear. So the article says monkeys deliberately infected with the CCP, which is China, China Communist Party virus, and given Massachusetts-based Moderna's experimental COVID-19 vaccine, were able to quickly clear the virus from their lungs, researchers said on July 28th. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine Tuesday suggested that the experimental vaccine, mRNA-1273, protected against infection in the lungs and noses of monkeys, and induced a robust immune response. So that's exciting. It seems like even after you're infected with the va- with the virus, you can get injected with the vaccine and that will induce a strong immune response that will clear out the virus pretty quickly. So it's not it seems I mean maybe I'm not 
understanding this correctly because I, I don't know a lot about uh, vaccines and biology and all that. But it seems like this is not only a vaccine to prevent um, the virus from infecting you, but it's also after you're infected, it can be a cure. Which if that's true, that's very exciting. I'll read a little bit more. In the study involving 24 monkeys, Moderna tested doses of 10 micrograms over 100 or 100 micrograms of the vaccine against no treatment. Both doses provided a proved effective, sorry, both doses proved effective at protecting against viral replication in the lungs and lung inflammation, with the larger dose also protecting against viral replication in the nose of the animals. Uh... Let's see. So all the monkeys given the experimental vaccine produce high levels of neutralizing antibodies that target part of the CCP virus used to invade cells. Okay. Antibodies are a blood protein produced by the immune system to combat viruses and other foreign material. So I don't think I need to read much more, but that's very exciting news. Very good news. Hopefully this can get cleared pretty quickly and be distributed in the U.S. Um, pretty quickly so that all of this can be over. That would be very exciting. Um, and I think if this, if this gets distributed by the end of this year, before November at least, and it starts to see some promising results, I think we're going to see a pretty certain uh, Trump re-election, which... I'm all for. So yeah, good news, good news. Even if you're not, if you even if you don't want Trump to get reelected, it's good news that people can stop dying now. At least we can agree on that. People should stop dying. So it's exciting news, no matter where you're coming from. Um. You know, I, I it's sad that a lot of people on the left don't want good things to happen right now. Every anytime something good happens, like I mentioned in the last podcast. Uh, I was telling a a lefty friend of mine, I guess you could say, that Trump secured 600 million doses of the vaccine, um, 100 million of which are going to be free of charge to Americans. So that means one third of Americans, basically, a little less than one third of Americans are going to be able to get this vaccine for free, potentially more, but I haven't heard more about it since then. But uh, 600 million doses are secured for America, which is almost twice the population that we have in America. So everybody's getting the vaccine, or if they don't, it's not going to be because of a shortage of the vaccine. He even secured these glass vials. He has like a, he purchased like a surplus of glass vials to transport the vaccines in so that there's not a shortage of stuff to transport it in. Everything's accounted for. There should be no problems getting this vaccine to everybody. And, uh, but however, some people, uh, like that person I told refuse to just agree that that is good news because they know it reflects positively on Trump. And, uh, if, if, uh, people not dying reflects positively on Trump, then they would rather the people just die. So Trump could get voted out, which is a sad deterioration of respect for humanity, I think. Um, but that's all I have to say about the news. I don't really have much else to talk about. I'm still reading Ben Shapiro's book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, which is really good. 
really, really good. Uh, I got through the introduction and chapter one and part of chapter two. And I'm really enjoying it. It's hard to put down. I've had to put it down uh, never because of a lack of interest, always because it's like, oh, I have something to do. Like I said, I have a final exam today. But you better believe after that final exam, I'm burning through this book. Um, and I'm also reading uh, Dan Crenshaw's book, Fortitude, which I've gotten through a few chapters as well. But this uh, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps is a very good book. The first chapter was about, um, I don't know if you can hear my stomach, but it's growling. <laughs> the first chapter was about what, uh, where American ideals came from, where the philosophy expressed in the Declaration came from. It outlines it as uh, like we had, you know, for a long time there was kings, there was emperors, all this stuff, and then... Um, First, there was the the Jewish belief from the Old Testament Bible, of course, that um, humans are made in the image of God. And because of that, not only is everybody equal, because, you know, a king is no more made in the image of God than I am, but everybody deserves respect. So even the lowest of the lowest of poor people is made in the image of God and therefore deserves respect as if... Um, as if they were, like, part of God, you know? So there's that, um, you know, philosophical foundation of individual rights and human dignity all around all around the world. Human dignity no matter what class system you're from or anything like that. And then there's, um, you know, he cites specific scripture from Leviticus that talks about treating everybody equally, have no partiality, um, I forget the exact location in Leviticus, but I know the quote goes something like, um, show no partiality to the poor, nor uh, preference to the wealthy or something like that. I could be butchering that, but it, that's the gist of it. And so having that philosophical foundation of treat everybody equally is where uh, eventually we get our American doctrine of blind justice and treat everybody, you know, the justice system is supposed to treat everybody fairly and equally. Nobody's supposed to be given preference by our laws or, or given unfair treatment by our laws. So yeah, there's that. And then there's also in the New Testament, Shapiro talks about the, I believe it's Galatians quote, where um, I believe Paul is saying, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, no no longer woman nor man. Everybody is equal in the body of Christ. So there's that. And that eventually leads to, you know, you know, it's 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 shocking that for a long time after that there was still monarchies and even Christian monarchies. It's kind of crazy to think about that, but um with time people develop the idea based on these philosophical foundations that this, uh, you know, that everybody deserves to be treated equally and that nobody is better than anybody else and nobody deserves power over anybody else because we're all equal in the eyes of God. Um, so yeah, and he talks about other foundations for other philosophies as well, but I won't go through all of it for one, because I'm boring and for two, because I think you should read this book. It's a very good book. I think everybody should read it. 
I'm trying to convince everybody in my life to read this book because I think it gives a very good uh, representation and defense of um, conservative ideas, which conservative ideas just being we should hold to the Constitution, we should hold to the, the founding ideas, and part of that is respecting everybody's freedom, even when they use their freedom in ways that you don't approve of or don't like. And then he gets into, in the second chapter, he gets into some of the opposing views of founding ideals. He talks about, um, I'm not going to remember everything accurately, but he talks about a one of the past presidents, I forgot who it was, but they passed like a, or, or they promoted like a new Bill of Rights, which said everybody has the right to uh, livable income and to a good job and everybody has the right to health care and everybody has the right to food and all this stuff. And just how that's like such a perversion of the idea of rights as the, as the founders intended, the founders intended rights as something that you're free from negative rights as they're called. So a negative right is something that you're free to not have. So you're free to not have the government and interfere with your speech. You're free to not have the government tell you how to worship or pray. You're free to not have the government search and seize your things without just cause. You're free to not have the government uh, infringe upon your right to bear arms. But you're not free to claim something from other people like healthcare or wealth redistribution or anything like that. So, um, and he talks about, uh, Shapiro talks about different politicians throughout history and today who are kind of taking the view that rights are things that you have uh, the right to take from other people, basically. So if you're a healthcare provider or you're a doctor, then you don't have the right to refuse somebody healthcare because they can't pay you, which is where the the right to healthcare kind of comes down on the issue. Because if somebody has a right to healthcare, as Shapiro points out, then somebody has the right, or, or somebody doesn't have the right to refuse healthcare. Just like, uh, like I'm, uh, I'm going to school for computer science. Nobody has the right to an application on their phone. Nobody has the right to force me to create an app for them. But if you declare that people have the right to an app, and then uh, I'm somebody who can create an app, then you're saying I have the obligation, and I do not have the right to refuse to uh, produce an app for somebody. So in the same way, healthcare providers, when people say that people have a, a right to healthcare, it's saying that healthcare providers do not have the right to refuse their services to anybody, which means they don't own their labor, which is a scary thing for somebody to propose in America. Um, but yeah, I'll leave that there. One thing I want to kind of leave this podcast with is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Now, a lot of this discussion we're having in America right now has to do with founding principles, and a lot of people don't like those founding principles. But one thing I would propose is the founding principles of a country should, you know, in insofar as they're not violating people's rights, or if the if those principles are like, you know, you should kill people of a certain color or something like that, then yes, those should be changed and and modernized, I guess. But if the principles are very, you know, unoppressive, which the the Bill of Rights is very unoppressive, <laughs> uh, 
then leave the leave the country alone, you know. Figure out what's going on in the society. Figure out, you know, why there's maybe these disparities in income and stuff like that and try to fix those problems, but you don't fix that by changing the structure of the country. So it's my opinion that if you don't like how a country is run, if you don't like the founding principles of a country, then you should probably just leave and go to a country that is more close to your founding principles. Like imagine I went to Sweden or, um, no, let's imagine I go to Canada and I, and I'm like, I'm going to live in Canada now, but I say, you know, I don't like this, uh, this portion of your founding document, or I don't like this principle in your founding document. And I think you should stop running your country based on this principle. They would say, well, this is, this is our like modus operandi, you know, this is, this is where we get our wisdom for how to run this country. And it's worked for a long time. So we're not going to change that. And then I say, well, I think that that principle is oppressing people. And they'll say, well, it's not, you know, you haven't demonstrated that. So either you can live here and, and, you know, enjoy this principle and uh, live by it or allow us to, to work by it, or you can leave, you know, now if you go to China and one of their founding principles is, uh, you know, we have a, a dictator and if he wants to kill you, he can kill you. If he wants to throw you in a concentration camp for your religion, he can do that. If he wants to silence your opinion, he can do that. Well, then those are infringements on, on individual liberties, which we know is objectively wrong. We know that. Especially if you're religious, you know that infringing on people's individual liberties is wrong because you're oppressing somebody who is made in the image of God. Therefore, you're disrespecting God. You're, in a sense, you're oppressing God. And so you you do not have the right to do that, no matter what position of power you're in. But if you're in a country like America that just says, look, everybody do your thing. The government has no right to tell you what to do, where to go, what to do with your money or anything like that. And then somebody says, well, I think we should fundamentally change the structure of this government. Then just go somewhere else where they do it the way you want it done. I can't imagine, you know, telling a country to change some founding principle or some, you know, core principle that they run off of. That's just, you know, there's there's hundreds of countries around the world that do things differently. And this country here, we just don't do it the way you want it to be done. <laughs> and it's not something that we're going to change because that's what we're founded on. And we were founded on the idea that these principles are eternally true and eternally beneficial to humanity and they have shown to be so. So we're not going to do that here. We don't do that. That's just, if you want to do it that way, go somewhere else and do that. But that's not how we do it. And um, yeah, I'll just close with that thought. I really appreciate you listening and taking the time to listen to me kind of ramble a bit for just about an hour. So again, thanks for listening. Take it easy. Email me at lossandcast at gmail.com if you're interested in doing an episode with somebody who disagrees with you on a specific position, uh, and you will, you and that person will be tasked with accurately representing the argument from the other side. Uh, you can email me at lossandcast at gmail.com if you're interested in that. I have one person interested who is, I believe, right-leaning, so if you're somebody who's left-leaning on most issues, please email me and we will sort out 
how to do that. And I, I think that'll be a really good time. And uh, I'm look, I'm right leaning as well. And I'm not going to gang up on you. I'm not even going to interfere most of the time. Uh, so don't worry. Don't think that I'm going to like that me and some other right leaning dude are going to gang up on you and just it's just a conversation. And uh, yeah, I'm going to stay out of it for the most part. Uh, other than that, if you want to follow me on Parlor, you can do so at Lawson Podcast. Um, I have nothing else to say. I'm going to drink my coffee and study for my final. Wish me luck. God bless.